Rick, we have got a special guest today. Yes, we do. Let's call, I would say, a YouTube phenomenon. A phenomenon. He's got yes. uh, well over 100,000 subscribers. Yep. Um, he does these videos, these long-form, not always long, yep. but long-form. It's spectacular. Yeah. And we love, love his stuff, and we're really excited to have him on. And he's on right now. So let's start the show. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Dave, he is the, he's the pride of Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, his friends call him by his real name, which is Robin Spinell. But to his over 132,000 subscribers and others who have viewed his YouTube videos now over 37 million times he is known as shatner's hairpiece <laughs> which we love <laughs> welcome to the show how are you i'm great guys thanks for having me <laughs> should we call you mr hairpiece or what, what, what should we call <laughs> you yeah, just yeah either way it's fine well I've, that's the obvious just question don't call me shake just don't call me shakespeare's hairpiece some guy actually called me that on the street the other day. he said you're shakespeare's hairpiece i'm like yeah i saw that i go way back <laughs> uh, friends roman country yeah. uh, the, the obvious question i i have uh, i mean the first question anybody will ask you is why Shatner's hairpiece? Where does that come from? Well, you know, with the YouTube, you always try to get something that stands out. And, I mean, I came up with this, I think it was 2006 when I started the channel. I was one of the first people on YouTube. And uh, I think it was an old email that I had. And I was using it on my, like, Yahoo account. And I've always been a big fan of Shatner and his... Uh, hairpiece. You know, <laughs> Huge collection of fantastic wigs over the last 50 years. I think my favorite and, was uh, the T.J. Hooker era. Yeah, the T.J. Hooker is classic, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. What was shocking to me was the fact that I realized when I found out that he actually wore a piece during the original Star Trek, I was actually, it really depressed me. I was like, what? <laughs> that's a really good piece. That That was the best one, and he should have stuck with that. Or you know the seventies, but obviously they had to take it back. Um, he couldn't keep it, and uh, he probably couldn't afford that level of uh... hair piecery, <laughs> the, yeah. the hair piece yeah, artistry. Exactly. Yeah, that that exactly. was yeah. That was a that was a really fine work, and uh, that was network, network money. Yeah, that was that was network exactly. money, right? Uh, now anybody who's seen your videos can tell that you are a friggin' great guitar player. Yes. Uh, now, you play on the street, presumably, or what you had mentioned is because many of the clubs that you used to play in have all closed, and certainly COVID didn't help, I'm sure. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about that, and how do people react other than, you know, referring to you as, <laughs> as Shakespeare? But, you know, how do people react when you walk by? Those videos are just fantastic when you piece in you know, people's interactions, you must have some great stories. Well, yeah, I uh, actually wrote a book about it, I think, from uh, 2019. Um, I mean, I've been out there since 2015, but I started keeping a diary. And around 2019, I was doing it on a daily basis. And then I actually published that as a book. I mean, you can get it as a PDF. I still advertise it on, on my links, you know, like, five dollar tip you can get my uh, joys of busking uh, diary so when anybody asks me about 
hey, what's it like? And I'm thinking about uh, starting busking. And I'm like, you know, you should read this first. Because <laughs> then you're going to run far away, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that's kind of like, you know, the good and the bad and the ugly, everything's in there. So that's something I'm trying to do now even is keep a daily diary before I forget everything because I tend to, it all starts to blur together and unless you write it down and, uh, you know, get the pictures out and see what happens. It's like, oh yeah, right, I, that happened and this happened. I got to write that down because, you know, people were telling me too when I was telling them stories. They're like, man, you need to write a book. <laughs> and so I started to do that. And, you know, occasionally people will uh, check that out. But, yeah, it's kind of like a roller coaster, the whole experience. I mean, the reason I got out there in uh, 2015 was, you know, mainly because the club scene died in Vancouver. So, a lot of people are always like, well, man, you should be in a band. You're good enough to be in a band. And I say, well, yeah, I, I was doing that for 10 years and had many bands and there were, you know, a fair amount of gigs. And, but that all ended after a lot of these clubs and I'm living downtown Vancouver and there used to be many neighborhood pubs and bars that you could play at. And they pretty much all disappeared, either taken over for hotels or, ripped out for condos or they just could not keep live music going because there wasn't really an audience for it anymore. I mean, the longest playing club I was in been around since the early eighties. I think Brian Adams actually started there because he was living in North van. And so he used to be there and there were lots of, you know, Lee Aaron was playing there and she was there when I was playing there. And that guy who ran the club was, uh, probably uh, in his 70s now, but he's been in Vancouver a long time and he saw Jimi Hendrix and when he was in Vancouver and he used to tell me all these stories about that and I was like, wow. And so he ran that place and he was like the last of the old guard. And when he sold that place, they never brought live music back because the accountant who I talked to actually said to me, it is a loss. Yeah, live yeah, music is yeah. a loss. And uh, that was pretty depressing. And so I was just happy that I got in there for a few years. And I think that last time I was in there was about 2015. So, yeah, they shut down. So I saw that all over. And right now there's just maybe some hotels that still run it. Um, In the tourist areas like Gastown, there's a couple places. So, yeah, it's really difficult. And that's why I decided... Uh, I had enough of this, and there was a lot of stress involved with bands. And I mean, I had a huge amount of singers go through bands. I had to make a video about that. It was called the um, Singer Auditions from Hell. That also was a, <laughs> a lot of hits on YouTube. And it was really just me talking in a like animated form with all these singers and just putting out actual dialogue. So while there was that positive side of, with being in a band and you get to be you know on stage and all that but there was a lot of stress with it and constant rotation of new sets with new singers and you get somebody in and they last a week and then you get somebody else in you got to start all over again rehearsals and dealing with all that and then of course kissing up to managers left and right trying to get gigs so much of that and i said there's got to be an easier way so i decided i would try the solo thing and I started with that around 2013, playing on uh, Granville Island, which is a huge tourist spot here. And But there you needed a license. It was about, a, I don't know, $120. And I remember that it took a long time to make that money back. And even yeah. 
you know, you'd think there were a lot of tourists there, but people weren't paying. And then that got frustrating because they only gave me an hour. And I had to be there in the morning for a lottery. So with like 20, 30 other people at 10 in the morning, take a number out of a hat. On oh, if you're in the top three, you might get a good spot. The rest of the spots were not good. So you might be having to have a sixth uh, selection and then you have to come back at two in the afternoon. And I said, this is ridiculous too. So then I finally said, I'm just going to go downtown, pick a spot and try it out. And that's what I've been doing for eight years. And that worked out a lot better. What made you decide to start filming it and putting it on YouTube? Or was that something that you did immediately? Like what's the, what's the chicken and what's the egg here? Yeah, that was, I think based the first year I didn't have a camera. And then I started thinking, you know, that was a good jam that I did. I played something and then I'm like, you know, I really should be filming this. Or somebody would film me and then I'd be like, hey, send me that video. And this was around the time, I guess, where GoPro was still early. Um, I probably had like a GoPro 2 or something. And then I remember finally saying, I'm just going to get a camera. Because I tried putting like a regular camera on the guitar. It was like one of these old Panasonics. You know, it was like five inches wide. And I... <laughs> had on a clamp on the bottom of the guitar and it was kind of like a shot up the nose up the guitar and I tried that yeah. early on gotta get that mold was, checked you know yeah, exactly exactly so it was like you know nausea inducing if you watched it on YouTube because of the angle and I said this is not working so then I found out about GoPro and then I got that in 2016 so that was the first year then I just started filming every single show I was like, okay, uh, I've got, um, you know, an hour and a half per battery. So I'd take out four batteries and I'd be out there for five hours and just see what I could get and get the jams. I was basically improvising as much as I could and trying to capture those moments of free form um, improvisation. And then, of course, the interactions, too, that became the second thing that I started noticing. First, it was just get the jam, get the playing. And then start putting them on YouTube, and that's what I did. So, and that never really caught on. At least I don't know. It took about five years before I I got my first viral video. And I don't know if you've seen that one. That's the one with the little girl dancing to the ZZ Top. Yes, I have yeah, seen that one. Cute. Yeah, yeah, that was. And what's nice about that is that uh, I actually got to talk to the parents. I don't know, it took about a year or more after that went viral, and they were quite happy about it. And so I was like, great. Um, she's seen the video, and now she's like five years older. And so that's really what sort of set things off. Was I think everybody was stuck at home for the last three years and couldn't go out. And that video just resonated yeah. with everybody. Because they saw this happy girl spontaneously dancing, and me, of course, playing and being outside yeah i think that was the key just being outside so that just went nuts all of a sudden it was like one day to the next i started getting tips because i was i I decided to put a you know paypal link Mm -hmm. in my video and i don't even know why that happened i i think i saw somebody else do it and i was like oh interesting idea yeah yeah. (laughs) i could get paid for this (laughs) i could get paid Yeah, and I I might have had a link to my band camp music or something, but it was really not a lot of work put into the presentation of the video, like 
actually trying to promote myself. But after that experience with the PayPal, and I remember still getting my first tip. I was like, oh, somebody sent me five bucks. Oh, my God. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and then it just was a flood for literally like a month, a flood every five minutes for, I don't know, a week because of that one video. Wow. And I spent four hours a day trying to thank all these people that were writing me. Oh, you saved my life with this video. I mean, people were just gushing. It was a real, you know, outpouring of people just relieved to see life yeah. still going on or being feeling that they were, you know, they were getting some kind of, you know, therapy out of my music. And I heard from a lot of people like that um, over the next couple of years. They were just, you know, people on their deathbed. I mean, some of that stuff Jeez. is depressing to hear, but there would be people who were, you know, either recovering from an illness or they had something or they were, yeah, on their uh, on their last months or something. And just hearing them say this music was helping them get through the day, that was uh, really rewarding. And I think that's sort of the main um, impetus I had, you know, to keep it going. It was like, yeah, I'm hearing from all these people that are... are uh, getting some kind of um, um, joy out of out of the music. It's connecting with them, which was obviously not always happening on the street. I mean, on the street, it's 99% apathy. Yeah, right. It's just, you know, yeah. Which is kind of, and it's actually gotten worse now. I mean, it, three years ago, it wasn't that bad, like 2019, but now I've noticed it's definitely, a, um, you know, people are paying less and the tips are less. And Yeah, it's, it's business it's as usual. Yeah. yeah, we got past the yeah, pandemic. Yeah, exactly. It's now all about me again, you know. Yeah, and uh, exactly. Uh, um, yeah. You know, you, some of your jams are. I mean, first of all, like Rick said, you are a spectacular guitar player. You are really great. Um, hey, but some of these jams are really long, and I'm talking like hours long. And <laughs> you know, I've heard you describe it as a kind of a form of meditation for you. And and what you just described, it's almost like a form of meditation and therapy for people that were watching it too. Um, is yeah. that you know? Do you, you, I assume you kind of get lost, you, you lost in a, in a, in a, in a, in a jam, right? And you kind of lose yourself a little yeah. bit. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, the whole point of the extended jamming came out of, um, well, first of all, when I was in bands, my last band was an instrumental trio. And that was probably my favorite because there was, you know, I didn't have to think about lyrics, didn't have to think about the singer. Oh, now the singer's doing her thing. And now I, maybe I can play after that. It became just a, improvisation trio where we jam over you know, movie themes, TV themes, funk, whatever. And that's where I had the freedom and I really enjoyed that. And I wanted to keep that going. And I just took it to a, an extreme level. <laughs> like now there's probably no band that would have me because we ain't taking that Shatner's <laughs> hairpiece guy. It's a... We're on number yeah. two on our set list, dude. <laughs> yeah. You know, come on. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Like the other day, I think I did three and I was out there for three hours. I did three songs. Wow. So my record, I think was four hours. I think that song on YouTube, I think it's called too far gone. That was done at home sometime in the last three years because I was, I was at home too doing studio stuff, but that was the longest. And, but I'm finding it actually, yeah, that's a combination of um, always trying to, you know, get in the zone. And sometimes the longer I play, it's easier to achieve. So, mm. you know, sometimes it might take a couple minutes, but then there's this, you kind of reach this meditative state where, 
that that's all that's in your head is just you're following this rhythm and I don't even see anything around me anymore. Like the people are, I know they're not really paying attention, which is fine with me because then I'm able to fully concentrate on what I'm doing. <laughs> so it's kind of like being at home alone. And um, so I'm not, I'm never nervous because I mean, it might be different if there were like say 50 people sitting around you yeah. all staring at you it might become more self-conscious, but I avoid that now because I'm just, getting right into it and that it is a uh, a meditation trying to find something new each time you know it's like okay i've done things this way now let's try it this way and let's let's uh, See what turn happens. the notes around now do you ever when you yeah. do you watch the videos afterwards and go i oh i did that i didn't even remember that i mean i would imagine that that's probably that happens right do you actually, oh yeah do you watch yeah. the videos after you do them or do you just do you watch all of them yeah or? yeah usually because I have to edit them. Yeah. That's the that's the other work, right? The the fun is the playing. So I might be out for four or five hours, and of course, then by the time I get home, I'm completely exhausted, you know, mentally and physically. Because there's the, the concentration aspect as well. I have to have like eyes in the back of my head because mm-hmm. I'm working in a fairly dangerous area. There's constant uh, encounters with uh, crackheads and drug addicts, and the, the homeless around there, and the mentally ill are around there. So I never know who is coming up on me. And oh, wow. the place I work, people regularly die there. That's yeah. how bad it is. Really? Because I'm two blocks from downtown Eastside, which is, you know, the worst area in all of Canada for um, drug addiction. So they all filter down to the to the train station, the waterfront station, because that's where the people are. So you'll get the people coming down there to beg. And so I'm dealing with that crowd as well as, the tourist crowd. So you've got a mix of the working class, the tourists, and then, and the drug addicts. So I have to have full, you know, awareness, like, Oh, somebody trying to steal my stuff. And that's happened a few times. But, um, so trying to concentrate on music while dealing with, okay, what's happening around me can get really draining. And so when I get home, you know, I'm passing out and then I will spend the next day trying to process those videos. And that's what takes a lot of time. So I am listening to them as I go through them. And I'll be like, okay. And then I'll, I'll find stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, this is really good here. This part that I played, I didn't remember that. And uh, that's the, the fun part of it is actually having a record of it. Otherwise, yeah. I would never know. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I, Forget I'm, everything. I, I'm noticing, I mean, and this is, I'm, you're obviously a rock and roll guy, blues, funk, that sort of music. Um, great stuff. Uh, but you know who just released a blues album? Who? William Shatner. <laughs> and oh, what, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. What do you think about getting him <laughs> out there on the street yeah. with you? I mean, Shatner's hairpiece starring William Shatner. Yeah. Well, John Belushi did yeah. Joe Cocker with Joe Cocker right next to him. Yeah, I mean, right? so, uh, it's a natural. Just uh, something to keep in mind. Have you ever actually met yeah, Shatner? Have you met him? No, I haven't met him. But if you guys want to contact him, feel free. <laughs> I met him once. More <laughs> yeah? Yeah, you want to hear my shit? I'll tell you my Shatner story. Sure. I was doing a uh, a live appearance for a radio station, and um, it was one of these things where it was an auto show in downtown Chicago. Nobody was there except, you know, a few people straggling here and there. And right next to us was a live appearance from William Shatner. Now, this goes back to the 80s, right? So a long time ago. Uh, Shatner right. 
Captain Kirk, William Shatner. He was in the trailer, and there was a line forming to meet him. The line was three people long, <laughs> and I was one of the three. I left my own broadcast to go in line to see if I could meet him. He came out, and uh, he had like a, a stack of, of photographs with him, and he said, uh, he said, listen, um, I'm not going to do any autographs. I'm just here to say hello, press the flesh, and that's it. And we all, the three of us in line, looked around and goes, you're just three of us. <laughs> How long can I possibly take you? <laughs> I mean, so he, we went up to him, shook his hand. And then he was gone. It yeah. was. I wonder how much they paid him for like an eight second appearance. But anyway, so that's that's my yeah, shit. No. Well, that's great. So does do, do people ask you for requests? I mean, uh, granted, you do blues and funk. Does anybody ever go to you and go, "Hey, can you do that uh, Andy Williams hit?" You know, or uh, you know, do you know Melancholy Baby? I mean, do, do, are you getting yeah. are you getting requests? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I get them on the YouTube channel as well as the street. I'm on the street. Sometimes people walk up to me right in the middle of I'm playing some extended solo. And then they're like, can you play a girl from Life and Ema? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, does it look like I play that? <laughs> I could. I could do it. But, you know, and sometimes people will... Best one I think was a couple of weeks ago. Some guy came up to me and, in a foreign language, asked for the song, and I didn't understand what he was talking about. He's like, "Can you play, blah 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 blah," and I'm like, "Sorry, I don't even understand what that is." And he continued asking for it, even though I had repeatedly told him, "I don't understand what you are saying." Oh, then man. he took out his phone, and and was pointing to his phone. Can you search it and then play it? <laughs> Oh, so you want me to search for the song Something that I, I don't can't understand, and then you want me to what? Learn it, learn it while I'm on the phone, well, play it. Well, well, now with ChatGPT, now with ChatGPT, you could probably do that, right? <laughs> wow. So, yeah, or you know, somebody will uh, request a song. They think I'm like a human jukebox, and they come up to me and can you play uh, Santana? something Santana and I'm like actually yeah I can do that so I will he's you know, he's holding a dollar coin in his hand oh. so I start playing the song I, I actually stopped playing what I was playing which was a mistake I shouldn't have done that but uh, I started playing the Santana and 20 seconds into the Santana he's like uh, Eric Clapton Eric Clapton <laughs> oh uh, man heaven heaven can wait or, or uh, heaven tears from heaven <laughs> And he didn't know the name of the song. I'm like, no, I don't know that. And I said, I can do, um, um, there was some other clap song, Cocaine or something Layla. like that. Right. Um, uh, or the Bob Marley one that he does. And so I ended up doing three different songs and the guy would never listen to the whole song. He was like, 20 seconds in, he'd start calling something <laughs> else out. Still holding his dollar coin. Like, I need to do the three songs. Before he'd give me the dollar, and then finally he just walked away. He didn't give you the and dollar. And I made a video of that. He didn't give you the buck. No, he didn't give me the dollar. No, he. Oh, kept wow, wow. That's so like yeah, a, that's, yeah. Uh, that's an extreme, but you know that kind of thing does happen. And of course, it makes a great video. So that's all I think. Yeah, right. So that's a lot yeah. is uh, I can at least get a video out of it. You know, you were talking earlier about how how dangerous this area is. Do you ever get hassled yeah. by the cops? Are they? Do they ever come up to you and? Like, tell you to get Actually, out of there? No. 
No, I get hassled by other people. The cops are the, are uh, never there. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh. When they should be there, but they, um, yeah, it's kind of like uh, the wild west. There, you're on your own because you don't have any protection. There's no, you know, wire mesh that you can put around you. So, I just was talking to a, a fellow busker this morning, and she said there were two incidents there yesterday um, while she was playing. Somebody was in the station with a weapon, and a fight broke out. So that's right across. You know, we're outside, and you know, if you go 20 feet ahead, you're in the station. So something went down there twice, and there were police around. So I don't know. Maybe they're starting to clue in that it's not a good area, and they should have more patrols. But I very rarely see cops, and even when they are there, I see stuff going on around me, and they don't care. For example, I could have a drunk guy standing right next to me screaming. And there's five cops leaning against their car, like right behind me. And I turned around and I got all that on film. And they're just laughing and joking. Meanwhile, there's a guy standing there with a full bottle screaming and they don't care. So there's a lot of that where they just don't get involved unless something uh, really serious happens. Well, they were eating. I've been attacked. They were eating their Tim uh, Horton's donuts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's the part of the problem there is there's no regular patrols. And it's just, it's been getting worse. And now, I don't know if you know this, but in here in BC, they've, uh, you know, they've made all hard drugs legal. So basically anybody can carry, and I think there's a limit to how much they can carry, but they can carry whatever they want. So fentanyl, heroin, oh, crack, geez. it's all legal. So I'm seeing a lot more uh, people messed up. Um, a guy died on my spot last month. There was flowers put. There's like a mailbox thing there near where I play. And these guys will just come down there and they'll just they'll just slip away at that spot. They wow. maybe go there to try to get their last dollar begging and then they've just gone. Oh. And that's happened a few times. Where you'll see guys who are basically... Uh, you know, they're on something and they'll stand in front of me and they get in this sort of semi-crouched position and they freeze and they stare and they freeze. They don't move for 15 minutes. They're just literally staring. And that can be a bit discomforting. Yeah, You don't know what's going on with this person and how far gone they are. And so that whole area, right, there's these pillars and there's a, in front of me and people sort of sleep there or they shoot up there. And it's amazing to me that the city really doesn't do anything to clean this up. Like, they should have seen my videos by now. I'm pretty sure the city has seen some of the big ones, where I have like 8 million views. Yeah, yeah, you've got 35 35 million views. (laughs) You'd think one of them was Yeah, somebody in the city government has seen it. And they think, wow, that doesn't make us look good. Because all I hear from people is, what city is this? And I'll say, oh, this is Vancouver. They all think it's New York or it's right. San Francisco. And I'm like, no, this is Vancouver, Canada. They don't have any idea what it's like and how bad the um, you know the, the drug situation is here. Um, so, you know, they just want to make it legal um, for all these people instead of getting them help. So you see that effect when you're playing down there. So I'm hearing stories from everybody who plays there. Um, you know, crazy people come through. I mean, I've been attacked. I have once had a guy um, stand there 
and uh, scream at me for playing Pink Floyd. And then he wouldn't leave. And then he started telling everybody else, don't pay this guy. He's, he's uh, playing Pink Floyd. So he had, he had something against Pink Floyd. And then he slammed me in the head with his bag oh, of uh, books or something. And I actually had to defend myself with my guitar. So I managed to pop him in the head with it. And then I actually, then he ran off and then he came back and then I had him held by security <laughs> until the cops showed up. And they were like, oh, what do you want to do with this guy? I said, well, take him away. He's nuts. And then they, while they put him into the wagon, I continued playing Pink Floyd. <laughs> as loud as you could. <laughs> Just out of curiosity, which Pink Floyd song was it? Do you remember? Well, it's probably another brick in the wall. Okay. I think that was the one. All right, it is a little overplayed uh, in his defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah. you got another bag in the head when you were trying to brick in the wall. Hey, what was the biggest tip you've ever gotten, and what were you playing? Do you remember? Um, the biggest tip was, I think, uh, last year, I was playing some kind of Pink Floyd-style jam. See? <laughs> stick with the Pink Floyd. <laughs> Love them or hate them? <laughs> Are you still there? Yeah, the uh, biggest tip while on the street was the um, a woman came up to me while I was playing this Floyd jam, and then she just splayed out a huge amount of bills on my guitar bag, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And it was it turned out to be about four hundred dollars. Oh wow. wow! And then she just kind of stepped back and started grooving to the music. I think she was high. I don't know if uh, she was drunk, but she definitely acted like she was on something. So maybe the next day she realized she had given all her money away, didn't know where it went. But that was that was the biggest one. Other than um, not on the street, I think my biggest tip was um, last October where a fan, a YouTube fan, gave me a guitar. Oh. Now, I don't know if you've seen the guitar I play on the street. It's called a Parker Fly. It's the, you know, well, it's the best guitar I've ever played. But the company is out of business. They made really advanced um, guitars. They were super light, like five pounds. Piezo pickups, stainless steel frets, really super smooth playing. I've had that guitar since 2008. And then the company went out of business about five years later. So now the guitars are really collectible and uh most people have never experienced them and they're missing out completely um adrian Ballou is another guitar player who swears by these guitars he's about the only one i know of who really got into them but last year a fan was telling me in an email he says i have a an old parker fly from 1997 and i don't play it would you like to have it Wow, that's and nice. I was thinking this can't be right. There's something, something fishy. Well, it turned out to be real. He ended up sending me this guitar from the other side of Canada, and it was in perfect condition. Then, and this was even, you know, honestly, better than the guitar I had. I had a 2008 model, and that was already at the point where the Parker Company was farming out their manufacturing to another company. So the quality had been dropping in various aspects of the design or the manufacturing. There started to be some problems, people were reporting. But the early models that were completely overseen by Ken Parker, who designed the guitar, they were up until maybe 2002. So anything 
before that time was considered prime. And he had this 1998 black Parker. And when I got this, I was, it was like Christmas again when I was, when, when I was 12 years old. When mm. I got my first guitar, I was very excited. It was the same feeling. And I just couldn't believe it, how generous this guy was. I mean, the guitar is easily worth $5,000. Wow. And he just gave it to me. So I was just gushing, and then I, I've been playing it, you know, nothing but for the last year on the street. It's actually um, it's better than the old guitar. Easier to play, um, didn't go out of tune as much, um, a little bit lighter. So, yeah, that's been my mainstay now on the street. So, yeah, that was the big one. And I've got, you know, various fans like this who are, you know, tipping me from around the world. Some people will, you know, sign up for Patreon and they will, you know, donate a certain amount of money per month. That's another thing that I do. And, uh, yeah, that's really what keeps me going. You know, that, that core group of fans getting me through the rough days. Wow. Know, like the other day when I was on the street, Saturday was, was not a good day. And, uh, you know, tips were down and that can get really frustrating sometimes because I mean, as much as I like to be playing and, you know, you enjoy what you're playing, you still would like to get some reaction. Sure. I mean, nobody exists in a vacuum, right? Yeah. I mean, every musician wants to get somebody enjoying their music. So if you're out there and you're doing your best, you're playing your ass off for four or five hours and people don't respond, you start to think like, what is going on? Like it can't, nobody have ears anymore. So that is part of the problem that I'm dealing with out there is that push and pull between having fun but trying to deal with the apathy uh, that's going on in Vancouver. And yeah. That's one thing I see. It's been getting worse. So the, the YouTube channel kind of um, saves me a bit on that because then I hear from people who did enjoy the jam. Maybe nobody on the street noticed, but I'll get some people on YouTube are like, yeah, I really got into this. And, you know, here's a 10-buck tip. And that really... Uh, helps a lot well we're big fans yeah we are so, and and yeah. and why don't you uh tell people how they can follow you on youtube tell them uh where they can uh, get give you these virtual tips how they can contribute to keeping uh this cause going which is uh putting great music out there on the streets of vancouver yeah well the the big one i think is uh Bandcamp. i think um, i'm under Bandcamp. i'm called the six million dollar guitar because i was a Huge fan of Steve Austin and in the seventies. That was my favorite TV show. That was his bionic. That was my bionic uh, sound effect. Yeah, so that was my. Uh, and that's why I made my business card around. It's got like a picture of Lee Majors uh, running while holding my guitar. Photograph that. Uh, well, you will now be sued. Yeah, now that you mention that, <laughs> now you'll be sued. So, get the uh, hide that guitar, you know, because it'll. The, yeah, you got Shatner from the '60s. You got <laughs> yeah. Steve Austin from the '70s. Maybe yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't know Michael Keaton or Michael uh, J. Fox uh, from the '80s. That could be next. We'll we'll work on it for you. But uh, Robin Spinell, thank you very much for being on the show. We've really enjoyed our chat, and keep up the good work. Yeah, and good vibes to you, man. Thanks a yeah, lot. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. I'll right. check it out and appreciate it. All, All right. right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take it easy, Rob. Bye-bye. So there he is. He is the... Uh he is Shatner's hairpiece. Great guy. Yeah, he seems like a great guy. You know, I, I talk to my kids about this all the time. He was talking about 
the appreciation, you know, just wanting a little appreciation. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah you know who else wants just a little appreciation maybe a rick and a dave i think every human in the world you know <laughs> yeah, right, what i mean right it, it takes like five seconds to appreciate someone well there's countless research out that employees whereas they do want to get paid it's worth almost more to them to hey rick great seg yeah you know or uh you i know, mean don't tony lasano and Ancilla have figured out how to do it they give us a script and at the end of each show, we, have, we right, say right, yeah. special thanks to executive producer <laughs> yeah, right. Tony Lozano with OpieShows.com. Uh, Opie is hippo backwards. OPPIHShows.com. It's written right there. <laughs> right. And we're distributed by Edzilla. With Radio Misfits. Great talk radio is Thank you, Ed. <laughs> it just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. We have to thank them both. Yeah. Every and, time. And they're well worth the thanks. They are. Oh, yeah. They yeah. they deserve it totally. So thank you to those two guys, and thank you for listening. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. The preceding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up?